Hello and welcome to the Riff Raff podcast, hosted by Amy Baker and Rosie Edwards. We set up the Riff Raff to champion the work of debut authors and to provide guidance and support for those dreaming of one day being published themselves. of being adults, about writing a book with a stranger and then becoming best mates. How to decide that your book should cover when there are so many different avenues to explore and using your own experience to write a book that helps other people. It wasn't just one moment that made us realise we had somehow crossed into territory known as being an adult. It crept up on us. For most of her 20s, Lucy felt like she was still basically a kid playing at being a grown-up. Evidence? She didn't, and still doesn't, like hot drinks. Nope, not tea, not coffee, though she can slurp hot chocolate if it has marshmallows on top. She still buys children's trainers, tax-free, a benefit of having size tiny feet. She didn't go to the dentist from the age of 18, from when her mum stopped making her, until the day when, age 26, her face swelled up like an obese chipmunk due to a wisdom tooth infection. And the choice was go to the dentist or spend the rest of her life in her bedroom. See, she really wasn't an adult. But then things started changing. She met a guy at a party who was a police inspector, then realised he was younger than her. She learned that one of her school friends was having a baby, on purpose. She bought a pressure cooker and started talking, at length, about the crazy benefits of this new kitchen gadget. A casserole ready in just 15 minutes? You've got to get one. She went to home base on a Saturday, spent a couple of happy hours perusing paint samples and enjoyed it more than a night out. Then there were the big milestones, getting married, applying to the bank for a mortgage. When a bank manager appears to believe you're mature enough to borrow what seems, especially when you ponder it sleeplessly at 3am, to be a gazillion pounds, even though your earnings were only £1.20 in pocket money until last week, that's seriously grown up. For Kat, the realities of coping with adult life hit her when her dad became very ill, and suddenly becoming self-sufficient was her number one priority. She had graduated with one of those degrees with no obvious career path, and had planned to take her time working it all out, aka living at home and doing work experience for pennies. Instead, she decided to move to London, and was very lonely, get a job that she hated, and navigate employment contracts and rental agreements and a life budget of what? because she was suddenly responsible for herself. Then she quit that job at 24 and started all over again, with the big dream of breaking into journalism, an industry where she knew no one, in which she wasn't very experienced, and with only a tiny pot of savings to see her through. She cracked it, and then had an actual career to think of, and found herself negotiating her salary and managing a team. Despite all that, she's still flummoxed in the face of a recipe involving more than three ingredients and struggles to get up when her alarm goes off in the morning. She had assumed jumping out of bed was a reflex that would naturally kick in at the age of 21. It didn't. In both of our lives, etiquette issues kept coming up. What are the right words to say to a mourner at a funeral? How much should you spend on a wedding present? We wondered if it was just us or if everyone struggles with the whole adulting thing. It soon became clear that we could all do with a hand getting through the practical and emotional issues we face as we grow up. So this book is all about being an adult with tips from real ones who've also confessed their biggest mistakes so you can avoid them to help us all navigate the big things in life. 
Hi, Kat, and welcome to the Riff Raff Podcast. Hello. It's so lovely to have you here. Um, we should just mention that you're here by yourself, but you've co-authored the book with Lucy Tobin, who we will come on to talk about a little bit little bit more, but it's lovely to have you here. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Um, To kick us off, could you tell us what your book, Being an Adult, The Ultimate Guide to Moving Out, Getting a Job and Getting Your Act Together, will abbreviate, (laughs) um, is about? Yes, that's... um, Just just in case the title doesn't give it away. It's it's handy. Um, It's basically, I describe it non-officially as uh, a kind of anti-Google it. So, you know, we all go through adult life or approaching adult life and come up against all these challenges whether that's finding a place to live or finding a job or asking for a pay rise or working out how you deal with friendships falling apart or moving on and the first thing I would do before I wrote this would be to google something and ask the question there Um, and we basically wanted to write a book which um stop people from having to do that um particularly if people don't have friends and family who've been through similar things um so it's really an extensive guide to all the key practical and emotional milestones that you might encounter from anywhere from your early 20s or before that um i mean right until your your 30s i don't think we ever stop learning to be adults really yeah, so I mean, it sounds like exactly the book I need right now. <laughs> definitely and so you obviously um co you co-wrote it with Lucy yeah. and I wanted to ask you, you know so some people might have heard of Lucy from her award-winning journalism yes. and obviously yourself as well from your journalism and so what made you decide to write the book as a duo and um we'd love to hear about the co-authoring process yeah it was it was interesting actually um we didn't know each other before oh, wow. yeah before we wrote the book um so it was it it was an interesting process to getting to this point because um, I I had no idea this project was going to be a thing. We didn't pitch it. The publisher had met Lucy, I think, in... So Sarah Braybrook, scribe. Um, she'd met Lucy in the green room at Women's Hour, got talking to her. Um, obviously, Lucy has written... I think it's six books. And when she listens to this, she'll kill me if I've got the wrong number. Um, And uh, they've all been um, practical books. And she seemed like a perfect fit for this project, which the publisher had um, decided they wanted to do. And Lucy at the time was pregnant with her second little boy. And I think just decided she didn't want to write it on her own. And so they were looking a scribe were looking for a second voice um sarah knew my old boss anna fielding from emerald street um i was working there on a contract i was doing a maternity cover so my the maternity contract was about to come to an end and sarah said to anna do you know any lifestyle writers who would be good on this project um anna said yes i do and she's about to be leaving and put me forward and it all happened from there um so it took me by surprise really and then I met with Lucy just to see if we gelled because we knew it wouldn't work if we didn't get on or you know had differing opinions on what the book should be we met over um well I say coffee but she doesn't drink hot drinks so we met (laughs) over something yeah something in a cafe (laughs) had a good chat decided we wanted to do it and then went from there that's so cool yeah and now you're lifelong friends yeah we we actually are like (laughs) the 
I did not imagine that we would get so close during the process, but um, we have spent so long like texting each other, speaking to each other about it, um, going for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's really nice. Yeah, it's a friendship that's come out of it too, so it's great. Oh, so that's cool. so lovely. Yeah. Um, we love to ask authors about the moment that they got the inspiration for their book and you know or for some authors you know for especially fiction authors it's maybe a story that's been sort of bubbling away for years and years obviously it's a very different process with this book Mm -hmm. but could you tell us a little bit about maybe in that first meeting when you what was your vision for the book and when did it suddenly maybe click for both of you this is what we want to be doing yeah so for me I'd been thinking about writing a book anyway um fiction and with actually some similar themes to what this book covers um so it didn't feel a million miles away from the kind of thing I wanted to be talking about and writing about I think when we met and discussed it um we started to talk about what areas we could both cover and cover well I will be completely honest, when I was first asked to write a book called Being an Adult as a Practical Handbook, I was like, how am I qualified for this? <laughs> Genuinely, because yeah, I, yeah. I, was, I was renting, I was, you know, basically freelance. Um, I'd had some disastrous work stuff previously. I'd had some disastrous relationships. And I was like, um, me? Really? Um, and when we talked about it, I guess I realised that the failures are just as important as the successes. And that was something I could bring to the film. Um, and it's not, nice. I'm not saying I was a massive failure across all things, but I had some real stories to tell. I had some real experience that I thought I could put in here. So actually separating out the subjects that we covered was quite easy because Lucy's had a lot of experience in some areas. Lucy had um, bought two houses, I think, by that point. Not together. She bought one and then she bought another one. Um, I had rented, so that was quite an easy split. Um, Obviously, Lucy is a finance writer, so she has all of those skills, whereas I have not. Um, And I'd had um, quite a lot of experience with mental health and physical health that I wanted to write about. So as we went along it kind of became clear which bits we were going to tackle. And also the nice thing, I guess, about that was that we started to see it as a really rounded guide to adult life. I don't think I could have written it if there wasn't an element of emotion and um, looking after yourself aside from the, the more sort of hard skills, I suppose, like sorting your taxes and that kind of thing so yeah that was probably the moment over over our coffee and or orange juice <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm also interested in um just just the kind of the, the technicalities of how you actually wrote yeah. it together yeah. did you uh, did you kind of write separately and then come together and make sure that it had a bit like did you edit each other or yeah. did you write together like get together and both work at the same time it was a it was a weird experience I think a lot of not weird for us, but I think a lot of people picture us sort of like sitting together over a over a table and throwing ideas around and yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that. And 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 we that just is so far from what it was. Um, once we decided what we were going to write about, we wrote to quite like minute detail everything that was going into those chapters. So we both contributed across mm. both of our sections. Um, then 
we went away to write it. Lucy wrote hers a lot faster than me. I don't know what I <laughs> I don't think I was putting it off, but the job my job <laughs> my my job didn't end when it was meant to end. I stayed and then I became editor of Emerald Street. And so I was sort of just doing my job thinking oh, I know I've got to write that. And I did bits. But Lucy wrote hers, like just did it. Yeah. Probably because she was pregnant and so she had an actual physical timer on how much time she had to do it. Um she didn't speed through it. I just didn't touch mine. <laughs> I mean she'd also had six previous yes. not goes because yeah. they got published in their very good books, but yeah. she'd had six previous experiences of writing a book. Yeah. So I th- you Absolutely. Know, she had a bit of a head start. Yes. Yeah, you know? all, of the, all of the doubt and stuff that slows you down yeah. with the first one, like she probably was just like, Well I'm over that. Yeah. 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 Got yeah. to do this while people are yeah. sleeping. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She she just knew what she was doing, so did it. Um and then she sent me her chapters to look at and that actually was quite nerve wracking because we've not written for the same publication before we and very different styles of publication too so you don't know if the tone that you are both bringing is going to marry yeah and probably because we've both been writing for a long time you also there's an element that's like well what if it's not right Mm. are we going to have to bend in a direction that we don't want to either of us and I remember reading her first draft of her sections and thinking Oh, thank God. Um, and like, obviously, she's a brilliant writer, but I really loved writing her parts. Um, and that sort of set then the bar for my sections. Mm. And I could meet the sort of factual and funny tone that we were trying to strike across the whole thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, so Lucy wrote hers. I wrote mine. That probably took us... I guess because of me, <laughs> about four months or five months. That's not that That's long. That's really quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I, yeah. I think That's it really was. Quick. It Which felt for both quite... of you. Like the, the collected time was four months. So I'm just going to think. We signed the book contract, I guess, in March of last year. We had we'd certainly swapped by about. I'm going to say the end of September. So actually. It was probably a little bit longer, um, but but Lucy did a condensed bit of writing and then I did a bit of condensed writing. So all in all, probably. Um, then we swapped and then gave each other feedback, um, which was quite lovely, actually. Yeah. We were both just saying, oh, that's really good. I really like that. Oh, lovely. It's really great. Yeah. <laughs> Very positive experience, I have to say. Because how nice, because like, you know, half the problem with your writing a book is all the time when you sit there and you think, what am I bloody doing? Like, yeah. you know, like, I've got no idea, what, who am I doing this for? Yeah. But like having someone there that is like, you know, a friend yeah. during the process, yeah. like how like, you know, a lovely, a lovely experience. I felt very fortunate, particularly at being my first book, that if I got stuck on something, I could just text her and go, what do you think about this? Or how are we approaching this? Because I'm not sure. Mm. Um, and vice versa, we were just able to um, trade little bits of advice as we went along, which was really nice. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, the topic of how to be an adult yes. is, is quite a big one. It is. It's a bit of a whopper of a, yes. of a topic yes. to cover. Obviously, you've written, both of you, from your own experiences. And incredibly, you both have experiences that cover a really yeah. wide range of... But, you know, with mental health, for instance, mm-hmm. there's so many different directions you could yeah. have gone in. How did you, between the two of you, and maybe within the editing process, yeah. decide what you thought was going to be important to cover as yeah. a kind of... It all has to go in one book, you know? Yeah. It's... 
it was something that we had in mind the whole way along I guess that we wanted to anchor it in real experiences so that's why it's we've got our stories throughout um but we were really aware that our stories would not reflect everybody's um so that that became a part of it speaking to other people um we sent out a lot of messages asking for people's anecdotes across all of the topics just to see what were the key like touch points for people and a lot of those anecdotes are in the book as well um but I suppose we tried to the topics that we've included we tried to make feel as universal as possible obviously a lot of it's geographical so it's for UK readers we'd have to rewrite a lot um in order to sell it in other countries but um particularly with work we're like well what are the what are the main things that people are gonna encounter and it's work experience it's internships but it's also apprenticeships and getting any kind of foot on the ladder so we had to make sure we covered the whole spectrum of how you might get your first job um things like asking for a pay rise everybody's experience will be completely different depending on the job you do and the industry you're in and your boss but and that's why we've got a few stories about asking for pay rises and bosses not being (laughs) particularly helpful in that sense um so the idea was that we'll get all these quotes in we'll work out what people care about the most and then we'll go from there um so a lot of it was anecdotal research basically that's really cool. That's a great way of making sure that you're getting the right target market and making sure that, like, you know, you're not just writing, considering your own specific experience. Cause yeah. Because it can be easy to get carried away with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it is still something I'm I'm conscious of. And I feel like we could write a book about every bit of these sections and expand it out. And then you'd be able to include even more experiences. Yeah. Um, but hopefully it does tick off, you know, a yeah. reasonable mm. amount. Sounds incredibly useful. (laughs) I hope so. So I I think, you know, everyone that I know has kind of wished for a book like this, really, on a regular basis. Like, you know, as I said, I'm, you know, I I need to read it. Yeah. And um, and it's 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 um it's obviously market marketed marketed. Yeah, that sounds right. We've been podcasting all day. My words aren't coming. At millennials. Yeah. Um. And so, do you think that do you think that the millennial generation has been shortchanged in terms of kind of what we're expected to know and get on with and what we're kind of taught? Do you reckon that like this is the kind of thing that millennials need for a specific, like, yeah. Yeah, I've been asked this question um, before and I still don't know if I've settled on my exact answer and I think Lucy and I might have different answers on it too. Um, I I think that millennials, and I'm 29 and I count myself in the generation that do need this book. I think we've been particularly at school for me I remember learning about lots of amazing exciting things but never anything practical oh, no, at no. all and I don't know if that's a, a generational thing you know I d- but I imagine how how on earth did my parents know this stuff and I didn't you know were they taught it in school I don't know but I think also we we are a generation who come to these experiences later um at my age my parents were probably on their like third house they'd had two kids and I know that's probably the same for a lot of people of our generation whose parents did get to stuff earlier on and I think it was expected it was expected that you left school you got a job you learned how to do all this Mm. these things 
I think that we are a generation with a lot more distractions now. Yeah. And yeah, and we share so much of our lives on social media. Like sharing doing your taxes, that's not a fun thing to show. Like it's not a fun thing to show off. It's like taking learn, knowing when to take the bins out. You're not going to talk about that on social media. You just not it's not a part of your life that's like seems important until it really is. Also, I do think financially we have been shortchanged because no one thinks they're going to get on the property ladder. Um, jobs aren't, particularly in the creative industries, aren't paying exceedingly well. Mm. So if you feel like that's that your life is, I guess, renting and things that are normal to us now, the other stuff, do you worry about it so much? I don't know. Mm. Or do you not worry about it until you do want to think about it? And then it's a panic. Yeah. God, I, th- I, th- I think the thing that, like, with the aisle, I felt when I sort of, you know, you were told kind of when you were at school, yeah. like, if you achieve this academically, you will then be fine. Yeah. And so and you haven't got to worry about anything practically as yeah. long as you do all of these things and study these things that yeah. are completely pointless and I've completely forgotten all of them. Yeah. But, you know, and then you have this moment when you come out of university and you're like, I don't know how to do it. Like, I, 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 oh, yeah. things aren't falling into my lap. Like, yeah. what the hell's going on here? And like, and so you know, I think a lot of people seem to have had that moment. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious, obvious, yeah. you know. But like, it's it's still like a real moment for a lot of people when they're just kind of like, I have not been equipped for actually the the everything that I need to know. Yeah. <laughs> but I could recite law cases to you. But mm. yeah, no. yeah, yeah. And also, I think um, some people are like. I speak to people all the time, particularly people. I managed to buy a house at the beginning of the year and I'll speak to people about that and and people who've gone through something similar and they're sort of tongue-in-cheek asking me, like, where I got my curtains from. And I'm like, just ask me where I got my curtains from. Like, it's almost like we're a bit embarrassed about doing the mundane things, mm. but there's no need to be. It's just part of life. Yeah. Like, my questions are always like, how did you put your curtains up? Yeah, I know. You know, stuff like that, that you just kind of like, well, they've done it, yeah. so therefore I should probably know. Or, and yeah. you know, Google, you know, it does ruin it because you think, well, I'll just go and Google it and yeah. stuff. Whereas actually, it's lovely to have something like your book that is a, you know, is a communal experience when everyone's read it. Oh, did you read it? Oh, did you like that bit? Yeah. You know, which actually is going to stimulate the conversation. I hope so. Bit. I hope so. There's also something nice about being, learning to be capable and yeah. able to do things and mm. like, you know, like, and having that kind of like, you know, learning to do things for yourself because, you know, I think a lot of people just pay for people to do stuff or, yeah. like, you know, kind of fob it off because it's because of the fact that it's not the glamorous thing to do. Yeah. But, yeah. So we've talked a lot about, obviously, the practical element of your book, but yeah. as you touched upon um, earlier, um, both you and Lucy have interwoven the practical parts with personal experience. Yeah. And I know that you have written about your dad mm-hmm. being unwell. So you yeah. mentioned physical illness part as well as mental illness was something that you covered Mm -hmm. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about how you both in well I'll I'll ask you yeah and I guess Lee's like Lucy's popped in Um, and how did you find was it a different approach that you took to writing the more personal elements and how did you make sure that they sat within those the practical parts yeah I particularly with my um the chapter on uh, mental health I didn't want it I mean this isn't a it's not a memoir and it's not the story of my life I probably wrote more than you see and then sort of filtered my own writing I knew it was important to say 
look, one of us has been through some quite shit times um, and it does work out okay. And the same, I guess, with um, with work. I sort of had a period of my life where mental health impacted on my work um, and relationships and friendships and had to take a real... I sort of had to begin again, really, at about 27. Um, Sounds return. Yeah, yeah, sorry. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Bring my mystical stuff in. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> At least I know what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I knew that that stuff would be important to include in some way because other people might be reading this and going, that's fine, like, you can tell me how to cook a stir-fry, but actually... I'm so anxious. I have no clue what I'm doing. I I don't know where to get help. Um, And I I think for me, it's weird. My my 20s were sort of framed a bit by ill health, I guess. My dad um, is fine now, but he got cancer when I was graduating. And so I'd sort of thought, oh, I'll go and do work experience and I'll try things and whatever. When that happened, I had to completely reevaluate my approach to what I was meant to do. Um, And no one told me to. It didn't come from anyone other than me, but I sort of put the pressure on myself to go, I'll just go to London and I'll get a job, like any job. And I was a PA for two years and absolutely miserable. I hated it because... I'd gone to university, I'd done a creative degree. I had no dreams of doing something super creative with my life. I didn't know what I wanted, but I knew I didn't want to be a PA in a healthcare company. And that was really obvious. But I didn't want to put any pressure on anybody else, uh, my family. So I went and did that. But probably decisions that I made then impacted on my mental health. And so me sort of realising that and then getting through it really framed my adulthood and I think for a lot of people especially young people now mental health does have a huge impact on decisions that they make Um, and I wanted to to bring across the idea through anecdotes from myself and through the other people that we've that we've spoken to who appear anonymously in the book and that this is all part of it it you know if you know where to go you you will be all right Um, so hopefully that comes across in the book that really that's there as a tool for someone to go, okay, someone else has been through it. Mm. So weirdly, I had, sort of, you know, my health took a bad turn when I was 21 and it was when I was weirdly 27 um, when it resolved itself. And you often find that there's, it's, it's hard because if you've been through something an experience that's kind of away from the normal narrative Mm. I think thank god mental health is becoming part of that narrative now but there is a lot of advice out there for you know as long as you've kind of you know gone along the path you know Mm -hmm. there is there's lots of you know literature and stuff out there to help you but I think it's so important to have a book that's offering up practical and emotional Mm. because the book does that as well tips and advice for if you did miss out the stage where everybody learnt how to pay yeah. their bills because you would there was something else going on in your life mm-hmm. and actually I think that will actually I think we all think that everyone else in their 20s kind of had it perfect and figured it out but I think for a lot of people yeah. especially your 20s 
there was actually a lot going on for a lot of people yeah. and they did miss out on how to find a housemate yeah. or you know how to pay bills or yeah. because you know mental health or what any other reason yeah and then they get to the you know you hit your 30s and you're like, fuck i don't know how to do yeah. anything yeah. like well, because... not, not to speak to it would not to speak about it would be remiss wouldn't yeah it? you know yeah. it's it's it's, you know, and, it's, it's vitally important that it's spoken about in yeah. a way that makes it less yeah. scary and less kind of because how reassuring to to say not only like have i been through what you did i also I, my life took a different turn yeah. as well yeah. and if yours has you're gonna be okay yeah and it and to, and to, to speak to that as amy says and to be able to acknowledge that i think is so important mm. that's kind of down to what you were saying earlier about the, the failures yeah because mm. like that's such a huge thing isn't it because mm. you know you can go through your life failing mm-hmm. but if you choose to learn from those failures yeah then you're you know that's that's interesting and that's what people need to read and learn and, and you know but if you just if you just keep failing and you don't stop to think why yeah mm. that's but it's, it's just that that's the kind of interesting part isn't it like the failure like the learning experiences like the real well everybody says to me now now i've got now I've co-authored the book oh you must have your life so together <laughs> i'm like well bits are good but i'm like i text lucy when i was re- i was proofing um this and we went we were going through that phase of the um process and i was like i've just learned from you how to stir fry vegetables i didn't know i'm 29 (laughs) i can't cook i there are so many things i cannot do there are so many things i have not been able to do there are so many things i've got wrong but like if you can't have you you couldn't just have a book that had just been written by two super accomplished people because then what is there to relate to Mm. things go wrong we're adults. We deal with it. That's hopefully what it mm. helps with. And, yeah. and and trying to change, you know, the conversation. So it's not like you had a different experience, therefore it was a failed yeah, experience. exactly. To it was just, dif- it, it yeah. was yours. Yeah. And it may be different to your, your mates or yeah. your colleagues, but it was yours. Yeah. And, you know, you might not be able to stir fry vegetables, but you might be an absolute whiz at changing a car tire. In fact, I don't think anyone can change a car tire. No. You have to call out the AA now. I you? cannot change a car tire. <laughs> the nuts are too I'm not tiny. interested in learning. No. <laughs> <laughs> Cars should be eradicated yeah. anyway. But, so that kind of leads into the question. Mm. Um, so, so how much of the book's advice do you guys follow? Right. Honestly, loads. Um, I remember when we, when I was buying my house, I say house, it's not a house, like well, a maisonette. Yeah. Thank you. That I live counts. in Bromley now. Bromley's lovely. It's actually the really Glades nice. Shopping it centre, is. If that still exists, does that still exist? The Glades Shopping Centre? Sort of just like not in actual Bromley, oh, but fine. sort of in like a, I'm in a leafy area. It's lovely. Um, yeah. You know, it, it is actually very nice. But when I was, when I was, um, going through that process I remember pulling up the pdf of the of the proof and the stuff Lucy had written and referring to it as I went along um because I I was like well I I need to know this but where where do I find it it (laughs) how to be an adult (laughs) somewhere um yeah well the other thing I was when you said it's kind of the anti-google you google something and just on the first page alone so they're the most popular articles you might get 10 or 11 articles on the first page alone yeah Uh, it's so overwhelming and you think then you think right well I have to read through every single one because they might be saying different and then if they do say different things you're like well which one do I you know go for and of course not everyone is gonna you know think your book is gospel and everyone will have to you know but like 
I think how amazing to have it all in one place from people that you, from voices that you trust, who you have seen, and especially because you're both journalists, you mm. can also go back and refer to you yeah. know, both of your writing. And just to have it all in one place and just be like, that's the answer. Yeah. Okay, cool. That I'm actually, done. the research, um, <laughs> through Googling it, was, <laughs> was, was so long mm. because there were so many resources i spent an unspeakable amount of time on the government website my god i know it like back to front oh god that sounds awful yeah government website <laughs> nhs website yeah. um and like sifting through because even when you get to the place that you know you're meant to be like i think i was looking up something to do with workplace law or something like that and what your rights are and then what your rights are as an intern which has a whole other mess but it's all distilled in there because i Lucy and I spent hours and hours working through everything that would be served up to you and trying to figure out which were the essential bits of information. And we've got an index. So it's got all of the links to places that people can go for extra information. Like this is no way going to cover everything. Mm. But we hope that this is like the signposts to all of the essential stuff. And then where you go from there is up to you. But yeah, it took absolutely ages God, thank yeah. you so much yeah. hey, just, it's my pleasure oh, <laughs> on behalf of us both we are very what? happy to do it and also like I think people will put off things because they don't know where to start yeah. I know that I'm guilty of that yeah. I think I, I need to do this like I need to furnish my bedroom mm. in my new flat mm. and I've been looking on some websites and I just gave up because I was just like I don't know if this bedside <laughs> table is better than the other bedside yeah. table and the other five I've just yeah. seen yeah. and actually yeah how you know it's just yeah Thank you. <laughs> it's, it sounds like um, you guys really took time to think about how people would read the book. Yeah. And like what sort of strikes us, has struck us is like how it, it's easy to kind of dip in and out of yeah. or to you'll come to different parts of it at different times in your life. Yeah. And I wonder whether, um, obviously you thought about that in terms of being very thorough and providing kind of onward links, but yeah. were you thinking about that? Were yeah. you, were you, did, you, did you spend a lot of time thinking about how people would kind of, um, you know, how would the, how readers would engage with it? Yeah, the one of the very early conversations that we had with Scribe was that obviously we are in an age where people search for everything online, and we we wanted to provide something that would actually just sit on a shelf and people could come to it as they need it. Um, that was really important to us. I I can't. There was a decision around the way that the chapters were structured within the book um, or the order that they come in. And I think it's probably in the order of experiences that you're likely to go through. Um, I can't remember that conversation. (laughs) There probably was a very sensible reason behind it. Um, But we knew that we needed it to be very digestible. So every chapter is broken down into really short bits so that if you're looking for one particular thing, you don't have to read through five pages of Mm. like context just to get all other stuff you really don't need to know just to get to the one bit about like how do you insure your car like that would be very clearly marked within the book so you know exactly where you're going yeah Um, amazing yeah Yeah. and and did you enjoy the process this is your first book (laughs) (laughs) yeah yes and at times really no um but I think and I'll I because I want to be honest about it um for me a lot of that though was circumstantial so I genuinely had thought I'm going to leave the contract that I'm in I will go freelance again 
just something I was really comfortable doing. I will write the book. I'll do work on the side. Got a nice desk at home. Perfect. I'll make it work. And I kind of had that all plotted out. And then I got asked to stay full time. And I was like, right, okay. I'll come to work. I'll do <laughs> I'll do the writing at work. I was a senior writer. Um, I will, you know, make sure I clock in and clock out when I'm meant to. I'll come home. I'll write. And at weekends, I'll do a few more hours. And it'll be fine. And then I got promoted to editor. And I was like, Which is amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it was, del- it was amazing. Mm. And I was so pleased. And I still am. And I love my job. But... Because I hadn't made a dent, a big enough dent in the book by the time I got promoted, I ended up being, I think it was September last year, that I was taking on an editorship and having to write the bulk of my parts. And I remember there were a few weekends where, I think there was about four weekends where I texted my friends and said, you're not going to see me at all for like a month at least. And, um, And that at times was really hard because the last thing you want when you've got a really full-on job and another project on the side with a deadline is to be isolated from Mm. people who can cheer you up and they were so supportive and they were really great and I have a lovely boyfriend and at the time we were living with a housemate and it was great to see them but my desk was in the lounge in the flat we shared so the boys would be watching something and I would be facing the other way, working, and they were having fun, and I was writing the book. Oh my God, torture. Yeah, and, and so I probably didn't do myself any favours by not starting it earlier. And there were times I loved it, I really got into it, but the times when it was hard, when I basically had writer's block, no, I didn't enjoy those moments. What did you what like what did you do to get rid to like get rid of the writer's block? I'd have to go for a well, I was really lucky. I lived by Brockwell Park, so I'd oh, go nice. yeah, so I'd go for a walk around there or go to the gym actually and go for a run. Mm. That was really the only thing that would shake it out of my head because particularly when I write, I'm awful. The longer I go for, the worse my posture gets. Sort of sort of crumble into this sort of like much <laughs> like a piece of paper like scrumpled up and I'd be doing that like gradually yeah <laughs> slide gradually. down the wall and like ho- holding all this tension mm. in my body while I typed away and um I found really exercise was the only thing that would that <laughs> watching episodes of like absolute crap on Netflix which also enjoyable but something, less effective something completely brainless that doesn't involve yeah. anything yeah. that's just like switching off your brain yeah, yeah. running yeah. seems to be a recurrent theme yeah. with authors and it is seems to be it is a miracle cure i remember yeah. going being absolutely stuck to the point of i can't do this anymore yeah. i'm gonna have to stop writing this book going for a run getting the idea on the run and coming back and writing yeah. Yeah. i think, I think it shakes words. ideas yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah it's almost like just shakes your brain loose yeah. you know but so. it's it is that and and I and I think that actually the the mindless rubbish on TV mm-hmm. or a film I did it through university when I studied I actually studied film and literature but I would work it's <laughs> awful but I'd work um, I had a huge desk and I'd I'd work by hand to begin with with a shit film on my laptop and that was how I got through like every essay and every wow. exam prep. I know, and I actually did quite well. Um, but it just drowned out anything else. And then I'd like, when I was writing the book, I'd stop and watch something. 
And I was giving myself an excuse to have an hour not to think. Mm. I just wanted to watch Riverdale. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Really, I really want to watch that. I haven't watched oh, it's it yet. Very, yeah. It's very ridiculous <laughs> okay. and very excellent. But if you want to write a book... Yeah. Watch Riverdale and go for a run. Yeah, and you have it done. I think it's so important to switch your brain off, yeah. and like that, and and whichever way you can do that. Although we shouldn't encourage always, like you know, yeah. it's, you've just got to find there the some, right way for you. Yeah. More PG ways, as exactly. <laughs> Mine were very PG. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, what's next? Do you you mentioned a fiction book? Yeah. Is that the next avenue? Yes, I I hope so. I've sort of given myself, um, trying to give myself a little bit of a break now because this has been quite with my job has been quite full on for the last year and a half. So I think I'll get to Christmas, do all the other bits we are doing for the book. And then, um, yeah, I've got a, I've got an idea, which is not the idea I had before I started writing this one. Cool. Um, yeah, which I feel, and I, I think if I'd started writing that one, I would have thrown it away. It just wouldn't have, it's not the book I'd write now. Um, so I am, I'm definitely thinking about the next one and it would definitely be I can't say that but it, I think I'd like it to be fiction that's yeah. cool how exciting you'll yeah. pro- we were talking about this earlier you'll probably find that the idea that you had originally finds its way into yeah. the idea mm. that you have anyway yeah. like now because yeah. Like, yeah. all those ideas inform it so yeah. how exciting oh, yeah. well we yeah. I'm pretty sure it will be fiction and it will be amazing <laughs> and that's what I know for sure and good luck and we can't wait to read it thank, thank you so much for being here thank you guys Whilst we have you, not that you can go anywhere, um, we'd like to bend your ear about an amazing new service that we've just launched. It's called the Riff Raff Manuscript Shakedown, and it's for any of you who are looking for proper constructive feedback on your writing. It doesn't matter where you are in your writing process. We've got options for everybody at different prices, because let's face it, nobody goes into writing to become a millionaire. Although J.K. Rowling's done pretty well. Anyway, um, the Riff Raff Manuscript Shakedown is the friendliest manuscript feedback service in town. And if you dream of getting published, we really recommend that you check it out. I mean, we would definitely say that, but still do it. You can find all the details on our website, the-riffraff.com.